Hello and welcome back to Shoulder to Shoulder. I'm Megan Silas. And I'm Pam Marvin. We are so happy to have you back here with us today. And we're talking about a kind of a fun topic today. At least I think it's fun. It's very light and wonderful. And so, you know, we just, um, this past Sunday, we had All Saints Day. And what a beautiful day of the church where we celebrate those holy men and women who have achieved what we all long for, which is that beatific vision. And um, the beautiful thing about it is we don't just have to, you know, honor them as people um, in history and who are in heaven and have nothing to do with us anymore. As Catholics, we believe that the saints are very intimately involved in our lives in the sense that they are interceding for us at the throne of grace. And we have the opportunity to enter into relationship with them. And there can be great graces that flow into our lives through those relationships. So since this is a show about relationships and we have this great opportunity to enter into relationship with right. saints, that's what we're going to talk about today. Befriending and saints. That's right. And we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about holy souls as well and the value of asking for their prayers and intercession Very during the true. month of November. Very true. So I have a big devotion to the holy souls as well as the saints. Absolutely. Um, But usually with holy souls, we don't have quite as much information about them, except the ones that were personal to us in our lives. So we'll talk about those great examples of holiness that are the saints with a capital S. Um, So I will say as a convert, um, I know some people like struggle with this topic of um, praying to the saints um, for a, a number of Okay, so there's a clarity right there, the praying to or asking for prayers. Right, yeah. Yeah, because sometimes... Praying to the... Well, there's like the implied for intercession. For intercession. Right. right. So, yeah, we can clarify that. I think a lot of the problem does come from that uh, ambiguity semantics, sometimes in our yeah. speech. Semantics, yeah. yeah. Um, interestingly enough, the argument that I've heard most often against the idea of asking for the saints intercession has less to do with the issue of asking for intercession. I mean, generally in um, Protestant life, it's common practice to ask people to intercede for you. Um, But it's the idea that the saints actually can hear us, like can are cognizant of the prayers that we would offer to them. That's more the sticking point that I've found among Protestants. Right. I mean, you, you often hear them say, you know, there's only one intercessor and that's Christ Jesus. And, but then when you make the point, but you also call intercession when you ask a friend to pray for you and they're like, yeah, that's true. Right. And so that point actually gets dealt with pretty easily. It's that issue of, can they actually hear us? Right. Well, you know what I do with that one? Whenever I have, that's one of the biggest things that I have asked from my Protestant friends is like, what is the deal with y'all and the saints? Right. And so I say, well, would you agree with me that humans have immortal souls? Well, yeah, that's a really easy thing to agree on. Well, if that's the case, why can't they still pray for you? And they're like, Oh, you know, that's true. They can pray for you if they have immortal souls. Right. Yeah. And, and again, though, then they're like, but how do they hear what we're saying? And th- for this, I would just say, because God wants them to. I mean, he wants us to be one, right? We talk about this a lot because, like, you know, I'm pretty into this idea of unity, um, especially among the body of believers. And so when Christ wanted so desperately for us to be one and united um, with each other, why would he not allow for that unity in his plan as far as the souls that have gone on to their reward? I mean, 
if we want them to pray for us and they want to pray for us, I think he's going to allow it because it's a beautiful example of our desire to be in communion. Right. And I just can't imagine prayer stopping at the point of death, especially for loved ones or people asking for intercession. And it didn't even cross my mind is is not being able to hear us because that's just such a... A, a kind of a mortality thing that I don't know. I think that goes mm-hmm. more infinite yeah. for me. That's just the way I process it. And I'll also like to think about it in the way of um, how beautiful it is to be able to um, enter into relationship with a soul that has been perfected and purified that can actually love us with a pure love, you know, without the hindrances of, of the sinful attachments right. and things like that. And, And that in that sense, um, I often think we're actually closer in unity with the saints than we are with the people right in front of us because love is perfected in them. And so the more and more um, holy any two individuals are in a relationship, the closer and closer they can be. Um, and you'll find that in, in human relationships when you have, you know, two individuals who are totally ordered towards holiness and have their lives completely turned over to God's will to the extent that we are capable in this earth. They will have these deep, profound relationships if they come together um, desiring that and God allows it. So um, we have this beautiful opportunity to have friendships with uh, these perfected, holy individuals. And uh, so... Why not take advantage of it? And I'll also say that, um, you know, anecdotal evidence, this is anecdotal evidence that they hear us. I have found that in the times that I have um, reached out to saints and we'll share, you know, during this podcast, some personal experiences of that, I experience a profound sense of relationship with some saints. Hmm. Is it a feeling or just a thought or both? It's one of those things that it's like, you just can't deny it. It's just Mm. there. And, you know, we've spoken before, um, you know, especially when we're talking about spiritual friendship and things about the concept of resonance, you know, that with certain individuals, you just have a resonance where there's something about their soul that somehow enlivens yours and, and elevates you and that sort of thing. And I really strongly have experienced resonance with some saints yes. where it's just like something awesome. about them and in, in engaging them um, through asking for their intercession. I feel a connection with them that, you know, I don't feel with every saint. And so to me, that's not just random. There's something to it. Yeah. Uh, I have um, a similar experience just that, but mine has gone through decades. Like I will have one that I feel particularly close to and inspired by over a decade. And I kind of seem to learn a lot of their truths that they want to teach me or that I am open to learning. And then it kind of switches and I'll go to a different one in the Mm -hmm. same order. So I'll just go ahead as my first one that had a profound impact on my life was St. Therese of Lisieux profound impact mm-hmm. and and her main the one thing that she had said that was in the the story of a soul was that I can no longer suffer for all suffering is a gift from my lord mm, yeah and when i heard that 10 plus years ago i was like oh i'm 
so far from that word. <laughs> but, you know, contemplation, not that I'm there closer to it, but now I have just a glimpse of what she meant. Mm-hmm. Like, I get it now. I can understand it where then it seems so far-fetched and outrageous I couldn't even imagine it. Being someone who suffers from some sensuality from time to time. <laughs> and it started with her. And I don't know, these last, this last few decades. Well, I think it really helps that I've been reading <laughs> Fulfillment of All Desire, which mm-hmm. is very, it's got a lot of Teresa of Avila and John of the Cross. And I feel extraordinarily close to them because their spirituality and the way that they talk and the way that they um, kind of process things is really aligned with the way I do. And so when they say things, I'm like, yes, that's it. That's mm-hmm. it. You know, it's funny because, and I can relate to Say those two particular saints, St. John of the Cross and St. Teresa of Avila, they're, they're often tied together, right? Because they have, um, you know, they both come out of this Carmelite spirituality and they both were sort of uh, kind of transformative figures in their time for their, for their, and they had, you know, spirituality that was rather similar. Interestingly enough, like as much as I respect and honor and think he's amazing, St. John of the Cross, I don't feel like a draw towards, but like St. Teresa of Avila, I'm like, girl, I get you. <laughs> I I feel yes, you. Yes. Like there's something yes. about her and the way that she expresses herself, which is slightly different, um, similar, but just some tweak mm. where I'm just like, I feel you, yeah. I, you know? And, and so... I have this sense of her um, more um, engaged in my life than than him, and and I don't think it's a male female thing because there's other male saints that I'm like feel much mm-hmm. more than other female saints. So it's just interesting how we'll have those experiences, and I do think that you know when you're talking about befriending a saint, the question is, well, which saint should I befriend? You know, there's so many of them, and and that was one sort of kind of litmus test that I would say that it doesn't have to be a hard and fast that you have to have this immediate reaction to the saint. But like, if you feel like something, you read something by them, like you said, um, with St. Therese of Lisieux or, um, you know, anything, you just happen to read a quote or something and it just like grabs you. There's something about it that just speaks to your soul. Don't ignore that. Just like, you know, we've talked about when you have, you know, meet somebody and you just all of a sudden they make you feel alive and on fire and, you know, they're so compelling to you. Like, don't ignore that. Explore that. Yes. Right. Well, I have another interesting one too, because when I first was introduced to, to St. Faustina, um, it was tough for me because hers is, there's a lot of bad things and difficulties that she faces Mm. during her time in the diary. And when I sat down to read the diary, I was a little bit overwhelmed and it seemed so, sad, you know, it seems so sad, like lots of pain and suffering. And so I was immediately, okay, I I just can't do that right now. But then last year sometime, I started getting a Divine Mercy daily snippets, just a little bit at a time on a daily basis. It was that dialogue with Jesus, and then she'd have her own prayer or a prayer afterwards. And it started to resonate with me during, definitely during quarantine, where you've got this layer of suffering, and it teaches you how to process that layer of suffering in such a beautiful way. And the other thing that I really, <laughs> I really love about Faustina is, is her simplicity of mind. You know, she was barely educated to the eighth grade. She was not 
by any means necessary a Thomas Aquinas. But then that's you. That to me, I always look at them as the both ends of the spectrum. You've got your Thomas Aquinas with the amazing brilliance un, unparalleled that we know of, and then you have Faustinus, pure and simple as simple can be. Both doctors of the is she doctor no, no she's, she's not, not no, a she's not a doctor of church. church. Yeah. But at the same time that they're, they're saints that have taught us so very very much which speaks to the fact that intellect is not the essential part for holiness, which was very comforting to me. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, and that's the, I think that's the beauty of the saints. And one of the things that, you know, we are so blessed in the Catholic Church to have these beautiful examples of holiness lived in all ends of the spectrum, like all over the place, men, women, children, adults, um, you know, people who had sparkling personalities, people who had grumpy personalities, people who struggled with sin, people who like never committed a mortal sin their whole lives. Like there's this beautiful array, this kaleidoscope of souls that show us there's so many different paths to holiness and that God, you know, he works with what he has given us. Right. right. And so that's another thing that I think is important, you know, when you're starting to read about saints and you get, get into it like it's a danger i would say um to start comparing yourself to the saints and say oh you know like i'm i'm not like that or i'm not like that or i could never I can be never like be, that yeah, you yeah. know whatever so it's not even worth it you know i'm just you know some I could never as- ascend to those heights. Yeah, that and little hopelessness in there. Yeah, right. Because that's not what they're meant to be mm-hmm. for us. They're meant to be inspirations, and we also need to understand that we are. Ne- our life is never ever going to look like any specific saint. Because we're called to be St. Pam and St. <laughs> Megan. You know, we're yeah. not called to be, you know, St. Faustina or, you know, St. Joan of Arc or any, whoever. We're called to be saints in who we are and God will work with that and each story will look different. That's right. Because God gave us their lives and to teach us these ways of holiness. Like here's an example of a person who strove for holiness and reached a high level of it to the point of sainthood and that purity, which is amazing. So they're out there saying, see, it can be done and you can achieve it too. And that's why I think it's so beautiful. They inspire so much hope in me. For sure. Not that I think that I can be perfect like that. Well, they weren't believe, perfect either. Yeah. That's but, important to remember. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but then again, when you see like Labore, who, who uh, is, you know, uncorrupt, that's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And little Jacinta, who was uncorrupt after she was exhumed. And right. wasn't the recent, who the young man? Recent? No, he wasn't. Un- You're he thinking wasn't? Carlo Acutis. Yeah. yeah. No, he wasn't uncorrupt, incorrupt, but... You know, that could be a whole other discussion. He wasn't, but uh, yeah, he was whole, but not uncorrupt. So anyway, um, but I do think that uh, what we find, though, in all of their stories, no matter how dramatically different they may be from each other, there are certain things that do not differentiate between them. And I would say one of the most important ones is surrender. Surrender to the will of God. I mean, like, I don't think there's a person who becomes a saint that isn't displaying that in a heroic way in their life somehow. Um, So, yeah, like we have all this variety, but then we can also see the essentials in their lives, that those overlapping things that point us to the non-negotiables in our lives regarding holiness, what it takes to be 
the, the Christian that God calls us to be. So, and so it's not only does it surrender to God's holy will, but in my estimation too, it is really getting our will in line with his. Like, oh, for Jesus, sure. if you want this, I want this too. Like whatever you want, Jesus, I'm there. And, and there's times I say that I don't mean it. I want to mean it, you know, and that mm-hmm. that's just one of those little things I do. Jesus, I love your will above all things, you know, help me to love your will more than my own. Yeah. And another thing I would say is just going to always be there is an intimate relationship with the Lord. I mean, sometimes um, because there's so many ways that we can um, pray as Catholics with devotions and all these sort of things, like sometimes we can get so caught up in praying these devotional things that we don't spend time in sort of real personal prayer with God, really like talking to him like a friend, like a lover, you know, that intimate kind of engagement. And that is, that is the life of a saint where they really deeply intimately engaged with their prayer life. Right. I want to say it like this too, that you can not, not pray. Like it's not possible for you not to pray. Like the intimacy that you've achieved with our Lord is so great that you find it difficult not to be in his presence, not to be in a constant state of some type of prayer, whether it's just infused or just um, holy gaze or just that awareness of God's Mm -hmm. closeness. Absolutely. And you know, it's funny I was called to mind to some of our our early podcast um, about friendship because I just saw one of those memes the other day that talked about how, you know, the best friends are the ones that you don't have to talk to for long periods of time. And that's no problem because they drive me crazy. (laughs) And so, like, you know, whenever I see when I'm just like that, it's not the best kind of friend. But if that but you can see how if that's your thinking about what true deep friendship is the ones that you don't engage with regularly, but you can just go back to whenever time is allowing and the relationship will just be there. If that's the way, do you think that's the way a saint thinks about God? Right. 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 You know, no, they seek out that interaction, that engagement, like you were saying, they can't not pray. Right. Because their desperation to be in his presence, to experience his love, to give him their love is constant and burning and the driving force in their existence. Right. Well, you know, I'm afraid to frame it a different way because I do actually have a friend like that where we don't see each other very much almost in the last couple of years has been very dry, but we were childhood friends Mm -hmm. And um, through the years, it's ebbed and flowed about how often we saw each other. And I was wishing her happy birthday last week on the October 13th, the, the anniversary of the Miracle of the Sun. And I told her, you know, my friend for a lifetime. And she mm. was so thankful to know that I still love her. So it's the love that connects us. Right. But I would say this, that you can love a friend and be friends. And yes, but does that mean you're going to be deep, intimate friends? Like if something's going down in your Mm -hmm. life, is she the first person you're going to call? Well, there's see different levels. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. But so, but sainthood is about the deepest level, right? That's what we're talking about today. Okay. Yeah. Right. 
So, and that intimacy with Christ that we're led there gently by the examples of these beautiful saints that come in walls. So interesting enough, when you opened up this, this episode, you were saying how some just resonate, correct? Yeah. Well, several years ago here at St. Mary's, we had like a, and and correct me on the way I'm saying this, but it was a, a reliquary. Like there was a mm-hmm. whole bunch of relics. Oh, yeah. through, That's so all cool. I love set that. up. Right. Right. And you're even told just go through the room praying and one of, or two of them will actually really proverbially speak to you, mm-hmm. which I thought was really interesting that right. you would have this resonance with these relics of saints, which I thought was really cool. I, I wish I'd come back again. That'd be kind of cool to see well, what happened. Well, did you do it? I, I didn't do it. Oh, she didn't do it. So she can't tell us if it happened to her. No, but I have been with the relics of Padre Pio um, and St. Monica, who've really, you know, St. Monica doesn't resonate like Padre Pio does. Padre Pio is just really strong. It was actually the relic was, uh, uh, I think it's first class. It was basically his blood on, you know, because he had a lot of blood mm-hmm. left yeah. behind on his gloves. Sure. And so it was a piece of that too. And it really was like, it's like he is here he's close to us and he wants you to know repent (laughs) (laughs) well my i suppose my ultimate example of uh, being called by saints through relics is um so i've mentioned before that i'm a lay passionist and so there is um, a passionist retreat center in houston which i frequent Maybe loiter would be a good word, haunt, <laughs> whatever. I, I'm, I'm around a lot because it's it. And one of the reasons I'm around a lot is because um, not only is there a beautiful chapel where Christ is there in the Eucharist, but also um, they have this framed thing, which is a reliquary. Basically, it's in the shape of a cross. And in it, there are... Um, first class relics from a good percentage of the um, saint and blesseds of the passionist order. And there are times when I will come and just stand before that and have even like kind of put my forehead against it and just felt like I was in the presence of my dear friends. Mm. Like I feel their presence and their prayers and and it's not like this sort of hoo-hoo kind of, you know, new agey sort of way of looking at commune, like communing with the dead or something like that. It's just this sense of I am loved and they are praying for me and I know that they they want my good and I feel that when it's I'm there. It's a sense of presence. Yeah, I think yeah, is, absolutely. Yeah. And so... To the point where I have asked um, that over at Holy Name that when I um, start seeing spiritual direction people, directees, that I am going to see them there. And one of the reasons is, is because I feel that I need all the grace I can get to function in that role and to be as much open to the Holy Spirit as I can be. And I feel that that place is for me what I would call a near occasion of grace, Mm. that just being there amidst my um, brothers and sisters who have also been experienced, have been called to the charism of the passion, that being there with their relics, them praying for me puts me in a position that I will function better as a spiritual director because I am among my friends. 
That is beautiful. So, yeah. So let's talk about like some practical ways that you can sort of go down this path of building relationship with a saint. Practical ways. Well, first and foremost, I think the reading that we already talked about. Um, Learn about their lives. Right. The lives yeah. of their saints. That's that's really where I started. Like you may have one that you've heard of that you you find fascinated. You're drawn to them for this reason or that. Um, go look up their biography. You know, go see and find out more about their life. Absolutely. Um, or, you know, like sometimes, um, you know, like you'll read a little devotional or, or daily thing and they'll have a quote from a saint. And so I would say if like one of those just grabs you like, like wow. I love the way he or she put that. Right. Then say, okay, I'm going to learn more about that person. And then you know, I have one that's kind of interesting like this. Every time I read a snippet from her, say like in the Magnificat and this mm-hmm. reflection, it just like resonates, just hitting on all my cylinders. So I picked up her book. It's Catherine of Siena. I can't oh. read. I can't get through the book though. <laughs> I pick up the book. And I'm like, oh, I can't do it. But whenever right. I'm like, who said this? I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, this is awesome. But then I haven't been able to read the book. Right. <laughs> I don't know what that's about. Yeah, I will Maybe say she is I'm pretty awesome. <laughs> she is pretty awesome. She's my daughter's confirmation oh, saint. So wow. I, I have a certain love for Catherine of Siena. Yeah, I mean, and that may be the sort of thing where, you know, again, like you may need to, like Faustina, you may need to take it as smaller little right. pieces, maybe. Right. Or, you know, you could potentially, you know, ask for her intercession, pray for the grace to be able to read the book or, you know. Or maybe that's not what you're called to in your relationship with her, but, you know, be more engaged in a different way. I mean, you're open to options there, but. What's another suggestion to get to know? I I would say um, the feast day thing, like once you've kind of um, taken on a a saint of your own, you know, uh, to celebrate their feast day and to look forward to it and uh, do something special. That's fun. Like. That's one of the things about our faith, the Catholic faith, that we have all these feast days, right? We are a celebratory people. And I think that we should not lose sight of that. We should really, you know, just order our lives around that and and say, you know, oh, you know, what am I going to do in one week for so-and-so's feast day? Let let me think I'll have, you know, maybe you can do something that somehow is relevant to that person's life. So say you have a saint... um, that you love. Well, so, okay. Say St. Catherine of Siena, right? Um, this would be kind of funny actually. So she's Italian, right? She also like didn't subsist on anything except the Eucharist for like years and years and years. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) So kind of in a tongue in cheek way, you could say, you know what? We're going to fast. She's feast. No, she's feasting in heaven now at the <laughs> wedding banquet. So I'm going to go out and for a great Italian dinner. Right. You know, and just, oh, you know. Good, good. I like that. Celebrate that she is in a place of, of uh, total joy and feasting and not penance. You know, one of the ways I've really celebrated them, especially the ones that resonate well, which I don't ever miss now is, well, this is not exactly, is uh, novenas. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like if it's a favorite feast day, your birthday being one of them <laughs> um, is to say, a novena leading up to that particular feast day, which is a very much of a focus on the life of that saint and those graces that want to pour forth and whatever intercession you're asking for at that time. Yeah, I think that's good. And then uh, to also just, you know, remember them um, when you're in need, you know, just ask for their intercession at times when you, when you're in need. Or I also think it's beautiful um, to not just come to them when you 
need stuff, but also to recognize that, you know, they're really close to the Lord. They're, they're in the presence of God and say, you know what, could you just bring my thanksgiving to the Lord right now? Yeah. Just take, you know, share, share in my delight and my joy and what God has done with me and let's celebrate together. Right. Um, so to always, to remember, to bring them into the, the good and positive stuff, as well as when you're looking for help. Right. Well, that reminds me of the little um, Therese would say, I'm just, uh, uh, the, the Lord is my elevator. Remember how to lift me up. So that's mm-hmm. a way to lift up your your prayers. It's just like the little saint who was lifted in the elevator to high heights. It was not of her doing, but only right. of the Lord. Yeah. And that's an important thing to remember um, about them, that the reason that we are fostering relationships with them and looking to be inspired by them is because of their love for Christ. So always keep their relationship with Christ, how they prioritized him in their lives as the priority in our relationship with them so that we don't make it all about them so that it becomes some sort of almost pseudo idolatry type thing. We really need to be very careful about that. We do not want to do that. Everything that was good and beautiful about a saint was because of what they allowed God to do in their lives. And so we honor the work that God did in their lives and their example of allowing it. Exactly. You know, and help us to um, open ourselves up more fully to what he wants to do in our lives. I also had a very wise friend tell me this, and it's been very fruitful. I need to kind of pick it up again. But she says, you know, Pam, it's a really great idea to dedicate a certain saint to your family members, family members that you're praying for, Hmm. like to really pray over and about. Like, so I have this whole list in one of my prayer journals of who I've asked to pray for. Interesting enough, um, you're talking about confirmation saint. I had through prayer asked for St. Monica's intercession with my youngest child, Dottie. Mm-hmm. Well, here is her confirmation. She's going through confirmation prep right now. And she's chosen, Mom, I'm going to choose St. Monica. <laughs> did she know that you had she done that? She did know that. Okay. She says, because that seemed to really resonate with her, too. Mm-hmm. Is that just that prayer warrior? That's what we think of as St. Monica. Yes, for mothers. But uh, just that that example of unswerving prayer. I mean, just not, what is that? That tenacious prayer that goes on for years. I mean, that example is so beautiful because in our humanists, we always want kind of, we want a little quick answer to everything. Mm -hmm. You know, we want it to happen rapidly. Rapidly folks is three years. (laughs) That's rapidly, you know, Uh, St. Monica, what was it? Ended up being 13, 18 years, something like that, that she uh, prayed for St. Augustine. So prayer warrior. So I think my daughter, maybe she's a prayer warrior. We don't know quite know that yet. So let's maybe. Let's, yeah, absolutely. Another way I think that can be beautiful um, to sort of honor our relationship with a saint and to help keep us mindful of it is um, imagery. I am uh, very much in favor of uh having images of the Lord and the saints in our home. I think, uh, you know, God has created us in his image and likeness. And when we see the face of another person, especially a person that's um, important to us, uh, it, it is a reminder of God in them. And so uh, just like we have uh, images of our family and friends that in our home and how we gaze on them and we think of them and we, you know, oh, you know, it's so nice to see them. And, you know, we can um, it's a fun process to maybe if you have a saint that you feel particularly drawn to um, that you want to make part of your uh, regular life. 
regular spiritual life to like do a search, like look at a whole bunch of different images of that saint that have been done um, and pick the one that really speaks to you and then get, you know, an image of it, a framed image and put it on your desk or put it on the wall in your house. And, you know, when you pass by, you just like. Right, because God called us to be drawn to him through beauty. Mm -hmm. So these beautiful classic arts of some of the saints, which are amazing, and just you can be drawn into it from simply the artistic aspect of it, but then going in a deeper dive, being that person, um, because we are so corporal in our mortal body, that's one of the things he's given us, is that beauty in art to then bring us a saint close to us through that imagery, which is beautiful. Yeah. And honestly, it's really worthwhile sometime if you can like maybe watch a documentary or read a book or something about um, artists who are actually iconographers. Uh, who who really paint icons, which is a different, it's different than just doing spiritual imagery. Like there's a whole different sort of realm of what it would make something an icon and how the process that's involved in that. When you learn about what they do and how they pray with it mm-hmm. and in all the symbolism that exists within iconography, like it is really profound. So if you want to augment your um, sense of um, appreciation for religious imagery, particularly um, icons, check into that because it's really, really neat, really, really profound, actually, that the icon is supposed to be itself a prayer, like a meditative experience. And uh, it's pretty deep in addition to being beautiful. A lot of them beautiful, beautiful. being drawn in the beauty. I also want to talk about Drinking with the Saints. Oh, yeah, please. Um, I got to interview Dr. Michael Foley. He's um, a professor over in Waco, you know, our sister station we have over there from KEDC. And this is a podcast, but uh, they're over there as well. And he wrote Drinking with the Saints. And I learned a couple of things from this book that I thought was so neat. So what he did was he went through and he chose a saint and then he came up with a cocktail that kind of had something to do with their life, you know, the ingredients. Mm -hmm. But my favorite part was that he took one of their classic, like say from a prayer card, a prayer they may have, and he turned it into a toast. Oh, that's great. I love that. beautiful. And the one thing I learned from him, um, or a couple of things I thought are so beautiful. I teach my kids now too, when it comes to having the right ordered way of use the use of alcohol, Alcohol should always be done in community and celebratory. Mm-hmm. And toasting is one of the primary good things about getting together and making a toast, which is like a prayer mm-hmm. um, in the celebration of the good things that God has given us. So I just, I just loved all those little pieces just started coming together for me right. and just the way you can kind of put it in right order. I uh, wish we had uh, the examples here of some of the, the cocktails he does, but uh, it was just really clever and done really well. Oh, great. Well, it sounds like a, a good starting point if uh, somebody wants to have a fun way um, of uh, exploring a few saints. You can uh, pick up the book Drink- Drinking with the Saints and, uh, oh, The Sinner's Guide to a Holy Happy Hour. That's so cute. <laughs> Michael Foley. That's and right. uh, you can, you know, if one of those saints just jumps out at you or you just happen to like the drink that they created because of right. uh, something in that saint's life, you know, try, you know. engaging into a relationship and and in the end um, really a relationship with a saint it is it's a friendship it's a holy friendship ordered towards 
growing the person who still in on earth in the um, church militant having a relationship with a friend from the church triumphant and you know maybe a little bit of mentorship so we can learn about how we can get to that place where we want to be which is where they are beholding the face of god so I think we should just end it on that with this desire to draw ever nearer to those who have run the race, completed it, and been victorious and earned the most precious prize, the only one worth having. Right. But I think before we close out this episode, we have to say something about the Blessed Mother. Even though she's not exactly, I mean, she's a little different category all of her own, right? Well, she's the ultimate saint. The I ultimate mean. saint. And cultivating the relationship with her to me has just been one of the greatest gifts of my conversion to the Catholic faith. And I would be remiss if I didn't say that that is the most, next to Jesus, that's the most intimate relationship I have with mm-hmm. someone that doesn't live here. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, that, you know, I love the quote from, uh, I think it's St. Maximilian Kolbe, was, you can never love Mary more than Jesus did. So that means you can never love her too much. That's right. So mm-hmm. to all the holy men and women of God, pray for us. Pray for us. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you come back next week for another edition of Shoulder to Shoulder. Until then, God bless.